Robert Marawa, it's an honor. Thanks for coming in. Uh, but before we start, yeah. I've been practicing in my car. Right. Kim Shilele. Did I get it right? Oh, I've got a way. Upper palate. Yeah. 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 That's the one. Listen, congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. I love the picture. And, and I know we've been talking about this off yeah. here, but I didn't see a cap today. Yes. Uh, your hair is looking immaculate. But uh, this picture is great, man. And I think it sums you up perfectly. Tell yeah. us a bit more about this cover. And, and also, I'm dying to know why Mandy Wiener, because I'm a huge fan. Yo. And I think she's a great storyteller. But maybe just take us there. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you so much for the invite, firstly. Yes, and congratulations on your show. I think it's long overdue. Thank you, uh, sir. Great broadcasters like you should not and cannot be wasted. Um, and I know that you would never be. Um, so I'm happy. I mean, this is a beautiful setup and, and, and loving to be here. Thank you so much. Um, the book, well, firstly, the, the photo is, like you say, it describes me. This is me every day. I, I'm, I'm not a person that's going to go queue up at... Louis Vuitton, because I don't understand that 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 life. Neither can I afford to 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 buy a shirt that costs you know more than I pay for school fees, um, <laughs> you know. So th th that world and that life is not me. It's never been me, yeah. and I, I don't know what it feels like to wear red soled shoes because I don't know whether they massage your toes while you're walking, you know. So concepts that don't make sense, they don't find a way in me. Um, so a golf shirt, like I'm wearing now, find comfort. You know, I know people think I'm sponsored by Polo, but I'm not. I just love the comfort of the tops, and I wear them all the time. And the cap has become synonymous. I think since my varsity days, um, you know, my cap collection kind of kicked in. Uh, whenever I travel, I always make sure that, you know, come back with a couple of more caps. Um, Do you have so a favorite one? Is there one oh. that stands out that you go, that is my go-to cap? Because Jeez. I was sitting next to Chris Morris at yeah. one of the SA20 games. The guy has a sneaker problem. He has a Nike sneaker problem. I think he has 40 pairs wow. of Nike sneakers. And I asked him to pick one. And he's like, but I have one. It's a mocker pair. So I think every collector, as you are, <laughs> will have a favorite one. Yeah, I think my favorite one is done. It's, it's been overworn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so well, that's that you know. <laughs> I need to find a new favorite now. Um, so in Penn Macmillan, uh, as a group, we sat down um, and, and as publishers, and they were going through a whole lot of, of photos, and I didn't play a part in terms of their choice, and it came through from them. And they were like, this is you. Um, and I didn't have any qualms about that. And I said, well, if you think it will work, you're the publishers. I'm not. So if you think it's going to work in the cover of a book, so be it. And yeah, I really think it, it really tells a story uh, of who I am. I wasn't going to go dress up in a tuxedo now and try and look out of character from what I am every day. Um, the strange thing, I mean, you mentioned Mandy Wiener. Um, she had tried to DM me. Well, she did. She DM'd me a few times a couple of years ago. So I'm not like a big... Instagram person, I, yeah, it's there, but I'm not there. But your Twitter game is strong. Yeah, Twitter, we we battle, man. We we, we put on a fight. <laughs> if you wanna, I've seen <laughs> I've seen those battles. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's a good space. It's just once in a while you, you got to put your foot down, and sometimes people think they can just come and ride roughshod over you and uh, feel because they've got access now they can, you know. And then you got to kind of remind people that no, actually, not not quite, you know. So. 
you get into those beautiful battles and it's nothing untoward really but with Mandy I well her story is that I ignored her a couple of times which probably I did because I didn't get to the to the DM but then the one time I I then saw her reaching out again and she talked about you know how about we write a book and I was just like, geez, Mandy. Mandy's written books about the underworld and the criminal elements and the irrelevant creatures of this world and so on and so on. And I'm like, she obviously knows what a lot of people don't know regarding my so-called mysterious firings at SABC and Supersport <laughs> and everything else. And who's behind those plots? Because none of those things happened because of how useless I am in terms of my work or I don't do my work. There's got to be a, a certain force uh, behind it. And if an investigative journalist like Mandy is then keen on a story like that, then I, I knew. I knew that she knew. Um, but then I was also like, okay, why not? My sister had spoken to me uh, during the last session. Remember, I've been to ICU CS more times than you've had coffee, and that's quite difficult. Uh, well, <laughs> and thank goodness, Touchwood, you're still with us today because yeah. the broadcasting space in South Africa wouldn't be the same without you, my friend. No, thank you so much, man. Um, and, 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 and it's exactly that. So I was lying there, and my sister was like, you know what? There have been so many narratives, especially in what I call the trashploids, uh, on Sundays that have tried to take you there, take you there, mislead, misinformation, and so on. Uh, why don't you just set, not even set the record straight, how about you just tell your story? You know, and telling a story is not about responding to what has been written. It's about where did your journey begin? Inspire a kid that's somewhere in Kokstad or in Dipsluit or Fentrestop, wherever they are, inspire a human being because mine is very simple farm life growing up and so on and so on and and i put that in the book but obviously somewhere somehow you then get to those parts that have been reported on uh, you know what has happened behind the massive corridors at the sabc and super sport and everything else and i i mean i laid it as bare as i could well so i got to tell my truth mm -hmm. i've got to tell my story um and mandy was great because you know, I'm not used to being on the other side. You know, like now I'm, you know, yeah, this, is a, this is actually me, quite no? surreal, I must be honest. <laughs> so, I'm like, I'm not used, I'm not used to this. I got to kind of, you know. Um, but Man Mandy was great in that there were moments where I thought, oh, okay, I can't really talk about this. And she's like, come on. Is that all you're going to say? Hey, did you really love Pearl, for example? Is there... What, what, what was, mm. you know, so she kind of pushed um, with a lot of the things. And I think I needed that because there were times maybe where I was just like, uh, okay, let me just edit this out of my journey. And with her being present, uh, I can guarantee you that there was very little editing of anything in terms of the story, my life, my journey. Were, were parts of it quite cathartic for you? Because I know like just sort of revisiting the past and sort of processing it and having someone like Mandy present, yeah. I, I think that can sort of be cathartic at times in, in a way, you know, just putting it out on paper and going, yeah. man, what a, what a journey it's been and it's far from over. Um, mm. and, and, and like I said, with, with someone like Mandy who's done the Oscar, the, mm. all these sort of underworld stories, she's a fantastic, fantastic storyteller. And, I, and that's why I'm asking for you, 
now when you see it in print and people are feeding back to you, does it feel like, cool, I've controlled the narrative here. This, the record yeah. is set straight. Yeah, I mean, that could be a part two. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, so they could be a part two. Uh, but, you know, it, it's been heartwarming. Um, CSO online to you. If, you know, you see on a daily basis a timeline and people are on holiday and they're sitting on the beach and they say, ah, finally caught up to this or they're just at home chilling. Oh, hey, load shedding. I got myself one of these light things and I'm occupying my time reading the book. And, but it's also people of various walks of life. Mm. And, and, and that was the main thing for me was that I don't want to talk in a bombastic way. I don't want to talk above people's heads. I want to talk lingo that anybody could read. That's why it's such an easy read. You know, you, you don't have to go running to fetch your dictionary and look for words <laughs> yeah. that you can't understand. It, it, it literally is that because I understand who my support base are. Mm. I understand the people that have been fervently behind my journey. And they're very simple folk, very simple South Africans, people that you would bump into in any normal, ordinary shop. Um, I was always used the analogy, and I use this when I, when I was talking to the team at Penn Macmillan, um, because they were trying to figure out who and what and, and whatever, LSMs. I'm like, forget LSMs. The, the, the bottom line with me, I always use the FNB Stadium analogy. Uh, and what is that? That is just simply, you have people that sit in the extra strongs, which is your normal seats, the cheap seats, where we're singing and dancing and drinking and smoking Zol and whatever the people do there. <laughs> um, so that is the extra strong. Then the next layer at the FNB Stadium are people that are sitting in the suites. And then the next layer of that is the super suite, which is a little bit more luxurious and uh, la-di-da. And then the next level is your presidential suite. So the more serious people, your government people. Creme de la creme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tie-wearing individuals <laughs> and whatever. So those are all the, that's the market yeah. that has served me, and that's the market that I've served. So if I write a book, so I'm not going to target the guy who's an advocate who tells me constantly that they listen to the show, or a Ronald Lamula who is now Minister of Justice, but then also says to me, geez, you know, that show that you had the other day with so-and-so and so-and-so. And so all these different layers and levels of people, I have to accommodate. Sure. But who's in the majority? You know, it's not the creme de la creme, it's the ordinary South Africans. Um, so it was a conscious decision to really write it in a manner of fact, like we're chatting now, um, as if we're going to go on a four or five hour journey on the N3 to Durban, and one's driving, one's in the passenger seat, and you're just chatting. You can drive. you got the fancy car. No, I, I wish I do. <laughs> Thanks to Avis. You know, Avis uh, do loan us a car now and again. Well, anyway, we won't get into that. <laughs> but um, what are, just getting back to your sort of circle of trust, you know, you are very much a man of the people. Um, and I've, since I've known you for many years now. Yeah. And you've never struck me. I was like, oh, my goodness, that's Robert Marawa. Yeah. You never struck me as someone who doesn't make time for people. Mm. And today is case in point. You didn't have to be here. And mm. I really appreciate that. But I've certainly realized in my time that you have to surround yourself with people that improve you, that, mm. that are there for you, that keep you strong. And, and I sure. know with your health, yeah. I'm sure you had to draw on that. Tell us a bit more about that circle of trust mm. and how that motivates you because – 
you know what it's like. There are days mm. when you don't want to get out of bed mm. and you don't want to go and sit behind a microphone in a place that you don't really want to be. <laughs> you know, we've all been there, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> but it's those people, and like you said, your sister, yeah, who are special and, and who motivate you. Yeah, I mean, the fact that I am alive is, is, is in part, you know, with, with the last episode that I had, um, was in part due to my sister and her intuition. Because I don't know, she's got like a sixth sense. I, I don't even know. I always say maybe she has SMS conversations with God at times. because Direct she, line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just keep phoning, keep phoning this guy. Um, yeah, because it was like in the middle of the night when I almost had this attack. Um, and I, I literally could see, you know, proverbially the gates of heaven yeah. I, I was a goner wow like I, I was i was done like literally i mean i probably described this before but we were asleep and there's like a little side table so the side table is slightly lower to where the bed is but i can always have sight of my phone so i could see that she was phoning but it was like in the wee hours of the morning half past five half past four but it was like crazy hours I'm like, why is my sister phoning you know but i could tell i was also in trouble so I could not reach for the phone, like physically take the phone. Wow. Like my ability to move was not there. Incapacitated. Like, I was, absolutely. Like I'm saying, I was stuffed. I was, I was done. Wow. Yeah. That's terrifying. And then she rings the phone again. Now I, so I literally had to then try lying on the side, side of the bed like this. I, I, I took my left arm, tried to push it there, just so I could swipe on the phone to yes. answer and then put it on speaker. And though she's medically trained, she could hear from how I was breathing that I was in trouble. She immediately called the ambulance. Um, <clears throat> and within time, geez, yes, yeah, so I was in the back of an ambulance bed. Um, yeah, but th th that was the worst. You know, wow. the, the two heart attacks, yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah, painful, unfortunate, grateful to be alive. Yeah, I don't take that for granted. But that episode was for me the worst. That was for me the one where even my sister, they were refusing for her to come into into the ICU oh, unit. You give me goosebumps here, man. You know? Goodness gracious. No, seriously. Um, and again, it was like I say, she's medically trained, uh, Nomvula, and um, was like, I, could, I could tell there was a bit of a skirmish going on at the door, and she was trying to come in, and the guys were like, are you sure you want to see this person? Because apparently I had the look of someone who was like 5'2", Going to see Tupac. Goodness me, yeah, man. So, I mean, I re that's what I'm saying. I remain grateful to her because I don't think I would have survived that one. I, I honestly don't. Jeepers. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, yeah. so you have a you have a milestone birthday coming up. We're not going to give the number away because <laughs> it's in the lower thirties. But if you look back at your life now, Robert. What are some of those invaluable lessons? Like, I know this is cliched and people ask this all the time. And I'm sure you ask athletes this or mm. whoever it is. But you've been around, you've had a privileged journey in that you've done what you've set out to become. I mean, the excerpts that I've read out of the book, mm. it's always been a dream to be a sports broadcaster, a commentator, yeah. someone involved. Even though I kind of feel like, and radio is where your, your power is, your magic is, man. A TV, you're great. Don't mm. get me wrong. Mm. Radio is where the magic happens. And if you look back at those lessons that you want to sort of apply into the next chapter, yeah, what are some of those lessons that maybe <laughs> you can impart some of that wisdom? Because I think 
I think a lot of broadcasters, they forget that this is a privilege and not a right to be a broadcaster in that they are in a very privileged position because they influence. They also are doing something they love and are getting paid to do it. Yes. So these youngsters that come in now who just want to be influencers and famous from day one, you've got, you forget it. You're missing the, the, the whole reason why you're in this space. And that's something I've learned because I've seen it firsthand with colleagues that have come. Luckily, yeah. some have adapted and changed. Some yeah. have been very talented. Others have just been buskers and have hit the road. <laughs> Love that, buskers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll break it down to this. And the reason why I'm reaching for my phone is not I'm calling for help or anything. Yeah, I was going to say, um, has it been that bad? <laughs> so you talk about the difference between radio and television. Yeah. So the irony is that I respected radio way too much. I had too many people, and, and, and I think I describe it in the book as well. I had too many people that I, I, I grew up listening to. And when you're in KZN, when you're in the farms, uh, there's only one radio station, which is now Ukozi FM, which was Radio Zulu then. So all the major DJs, whether it was Joshua Mlaba, Cyril Bunganim Kunu, who was known as Kansas City, Linde Weganduli, all of them I listened to. Those were the people that inspired me to listen to radio. So radio was the magic for me. But I, I, I was scared of radio. I, I respected radio way too much because of those people that I've just mentioned. And I never saw myself doing radio. But the one thing I wanted to do was television. So TV was the gig for me. So the reason why I've picked up my phone is this morning at 1043... Look at this human being who called. What's that name? Martin Luck. He's Martin an Luck. absolute legend of South African sports broadcasting. Was it Absolutely. Top, top sport? Top sport. Back in the day. Yeah. So I was a kid watching Martin Luck wow. broadcast. And I was just like, that's what I want to do. Whatever he's doing, that's what I want to do. And I grew up wanting to be in that studio, wherever it was in the world. And I'm in Nkanja. I know nothing. Yeah, I'm surrounded by cows, sheep goats, whatever. I don't know. Where, where it's a beautiful part of the world, from. though. I must be Very saying. tranquil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very, very tranquil. No, yeah, okay. Let me not talk about the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> but that was then my childhood dream. So we, the, the, the TV reception there was non-existent. But whatever little hazy thing that was there, I would the see Ariel Martin Luck. Outside. Ariel outside. <laughs> you know, they're like, no, no, move it to the left. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Until the next gospel wind comes through but there was no mistaking for me that that's what I wanted to do and um, yes I came to Joburg to study law at university I did up until my final year not a problem but it was always about sports and broadcasting and television never radio and lo and behold now I am in a position CS where I've done the audition because after continuity, one year, I was like, okay, how many more times should I tell people that the news is coming up next at half past seven? They know. That's why they've <laughs> tuned in. <laughs> so thank you for the opportunity, getting my little foot in. Um, but now I want to do what I want to do. And that's where I went across to Rob Rogers, knocked on his door and said, I want to, you know, I, like, I want to do this thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was like, cool. Auditions on a Thursday. Went in, saw all these big names floating around. But I did not know that Martin Locke was there. I didn't see him. But he was the reason that 
he told the guys who were recording the auditions, like, stop that voice. Stop that person. He's the one. So you can imagine now my childhood idol yeah. is somewhere in the building, in the control room, and he's the one that's directing, listening. And trust me, the following day, I got a call. This is a Friday now. And they said, listen, congratulations. Audition, you smashed, and now we have a little dilemma here. Like, what's the dilemma? You got a game on Sunday, Pirates and Bloom Celtic at FNB Stadium. It might be too soon. Maybe you need a bit of time. Um, we can try have you on the following week. So I was like, guys, if I don't know a game between Pirates and Celtic, <laughs> then I don't deserve to be here. So I was always <laughs> one to be like, put me in that fire. You know? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do. Let's go for it. Sunday. Went to FNB. They were still doing the outside studio and the scaffolding and everything else. And, yeah, Deshi Back Tower, everyone there did the broadcast. Daunting, yes. Nervous, yes. Shaking. But I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Did it. I haven't finished my degree, but hey, guys, <laughs> this is what <laughs> I want to do. Um, and and that's the, the long and short of it was that. And Martin Locke, I don't know. That's I mean, crazy. I missed his call. That's crazy. Th that's that, that's madness. I mean, I just Martin, we'll, we'll call you back. Robert will call you back. Don't worry. <laughs> and, and he probably just wants to congratulate yeah. me for you know the move to nine four seven because he follows my career like crazy. I mean, we reached out to him even in the book. Mandy did a piece, and he describes exactly that. Because well, I said I don't want to speak on behalf of Martin. Mm. He he's the one. So, um, yeah, and, and, and that's part of the credibility of the book is that w whatever my mother's angles are, Mandy went down to Durban to speak to her. Yeah. Um, whatever it was about broadcasting, she went to Martin Locke. Mm. And, I mean, I, I was just then eternally grateful because now there was a show called Mabaleng on a Saturday. And guess what? Here's a little skinny boy from KZN sitting next to who? To Martin Locke. So now I'm sharing... The studio with with the guy who, as a kid, I'm sitting, I'm pointing, I'm like, that's who I want to be. That's where I want to be. And the next thing, I am sitting right next to him. And that's why I've always, always uh, put him in the forefront of saying that, for me, he led the charge. He was the person that made me identify what I thought I wanted to do. And then I became quite confident that actually it's not a thought, it's what I want to do. So he, he's got an incredible eye for talent. I mean, he's an amazing yeah. broadcaster. Yeah. Do you sort of find yourself now when you're watching broadcasters, whatever, uh, who's out there and go, oh, that, that person's got it? Or you, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. having been in the hot seat, having presented live TV, radio, yeah. you get a feel of who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Do you, are you a Martin Luck these days? Do you have people that you go, oh, that's, you know, you might not tell them to their yeah, face, yeah. but you can see, they get it. You yeah. don't have to mention names, but no, no, I'm just no. saying, I, I, do you I, find I, that? I see them on television now because yeah. I've played a big role in getting them on TV. I see. And, and it's because I felt exactly that. And I've, and I've held their hands. And I've given them the platform. I've used my platforms. So when I was on Supersport and we had Thursday Night Live at Marawa, I would bring them in because I would see them. You know, some of the former players... Uh, who are now analysts. I see them. They were actually doing, you know, the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. And they were in studio, and they were part of the people that I had said, guys, 
you can do this. But I lent very, um, let me just say, I was slightly biased towards them because I could see the potential. Even yeah. as football players, I, I would tell my producer, hey, call Amanda, call Deco, call, you know, the list goes on. But I knew that post their playing days, they possessed something that a lot of the other players didn't possess. And now when I see them thrive and I work a lot with people like Deco now, he's also joined with Hollywood Bets and our team and he's uh, opening up his own company. They're going to be looking after the Good welfare yeah, of, of the players and so on. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly that. That, that mindset was set a long time ago. Yeah. So it's not something that just happened now. And um, yeah, so just in answering your question, yeah, I mean, you see it. Broadcasters, they they stand out. The potential stands yeah. out. You know, a, a, a Tato Moeng will stand out because of, of exactly that. Uh, and whether it's that or producers, it's, it's all the same thing. Yeah. You gotta have the, the heart, the desire, the intent. You gotta love sport. The thing is, if you don't love sport, there's no way you're going to just try and wing it. No. You know, exactly. There's no way. You get found out eventually. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no way. You, you've actually mentioned something that I have been meaning to ask. And every time I see the TV ad, I'm like, I've got to text Robert and ask him. That Hollywood Bets jacket, man. Yay. Jeepers. Yay. What's going on there? Was that <laughs> wardrobe right? No, no tell just, me. Just tell me. Was it that no, bad? Was no, it that bad? No, it's not bad. Was I'm that, just saying that it's, terrible? it's like that Technicolored raincoat vibe going yeah, yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a power ad. Yeah. I'm just saying just maybe the inspiration behind that thing because you just, do rock it, but I'm like, wow. It's, where's it from? It's busy. Where's it from? It's, it's all the flags of the continent of Africa. It's very cool. It's it's all the flags. And, um, and, and again, you know, I, I don't wear things that – I am not comfortable with. You know, but like, that's why, because yeah. I know that. And that's why I'm going <laughs> to... Okay. Where did that come from? It's not TV 101. <laughs> it's no, it's one. not. It was, <laughs> you know, you know it would, uh, I, I also just support a lot of the local guys. So um, there's a guy called Sheldon Kopman. So mm -hmm. Sheldon has his company, Naked Ape, and he produces the most amazing clothes. Um, I think one day when you have a massive event that's going to be coming up or you just want some chilled clothes take you it's downtown okay. in Johannesburg I'll get it's got a beautiful studio there um, can I tell him Robert sent me no no we'll, we'll someone else said that no, we'll on a, another there. ad room <laughs> <laughs> and tell them I sent it <laughs> no anyway okay so we'll go Naked Ape right yeah JR is his name yeah <laughs> um, yeah so Naked Ape so Sheldon's done amazing stuff I mean he even uh, there's a beautiful cover of Samuel L. Jackson. So Samuel L. Jackson's, you know, his little yeah, yeah. things that he wears, uh, arty type of things, you know, they're all from, from Sheldon. And with that, I put it out there. So I brought like a whole range of clothes for, no, in fact, the Hollywood Bets guys were saying, listen, we saw you at Kailami. Uh, there was like a little charity thing that we were doing. Saw the photo and they said, okay, for the ad that we're going to do, we want you to wear that. I was like, cool. I don't mind wearing that. Awesome. You know, but it was also just like a fun ad. It was like, you know, No, it was, it was yeah, cool, it was man. Like, yeah, it was cool. I, I just, I think for me, it was just, it stood out and because I know you, I was like, yeah, okay. What's going on? It's yeah. on. It's on like, <laughs> um, let's, let's uh, shift focus. We have been talking about radio yeah. nine for seven. Um, when I texted you and you were saying, listen, there's some big news coming, just yeah, hang 10 and we'll talk after that. I think it's a great platform, man. And, and 
how have you settled in? I know it's only been a few days, but you had a yeah. massive guest. Hey, you had one. Seb Blatter. That you, you, <laughs> I mean, you. I think people were like, yeah, sure, Robert, whatever. And the next thing, he's on the line. Yeah, yeah. How's it been? Um, it's been radio. That's why I just, I think I woke up that day as like, okay, in my head, hashtag, let's do radio. Well, sometimes I switch on the radio and I'm not sure if I'm listening to radio. Um, do you feel that way these days? Yeah. Do you think it's gone? I do. I do. And I think that's why when you heard the grades, whether it was John Burks, whether it was Darren Scott, um, there's a whole array of, of people that I, I, I can attach to um, who know radio, mm. who respect radio. Uh, who give radio the credit that made radio the thing that I said I was scared of being a part of. And I don't know. I just think that people that run radio stations get to a stage where they feel that because they get so much control. So if you're running radio and you're not accountable to anybody, you can make whatever decisions you can. So platforms like 947, Prime Media is a proper business. Proper. Yeah. So business, bottom line, shareholders, you name it, accountability is there. So the, the difference is that public broadcaster, hey, okay, whether you're in the red, you're in the blue, whatever, you run to parliament, handout, bailout, can we have some money? And the same people that have run down the place will carry on working. But they'll keep changing. They'll put... The difference between an influencer on Instagram, somebody who's going to place this beautiful CS Duplessis show mug here, uh, put a wonderful pair of sunglasses and a handbag, is not going to influence radio. No. You know, So you can have two million followers of people that love your placement of products and the ice cream in the middle. They, they don't actually care about switching on and listening to you on radio. So I think there was a move towards thinking that people with high followers on social media will then bring those numbers onto radio. And it does not work like that. You know, those there were times where I didn't even know half the people that I loved on radio, what they looked like yeah, because of the theater of the mind. So that's what radio is. And now we are flooded with, yeah, let's make radio TV and let's make TV radio. Cool. It can work. Okay. Today's world makes it work. This works because it's a different form. You know, you podcast, you do uh, different work, and it's there. Yeah. So I think what people don't realize is that what has killed radio are the people that are given jobs and positions to monitor radio, run radio, as messed up as people thought Claudi was at SABC. He actually saved a lot of careers. Because they were giving DJs on-air personalities one-year contracts. And Claudi called a meeting. All the managers, all the on-air people, and said in front of those managers, you guys are stuffing around with all of these broadcasters. This one-year thing is done. We are not accepting the one-year contracts. So the ones with the one-year contracts, you guys, when we leave this meeting, are going to go and give them three-year contracts. Was what do you do? Right. So you, you 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 become beholden on 
Now the manager, hey, hey, how's it, bro? Okay, all right. So I've been there. That one year. I've been there. It's <laughs> stressful. Sure you, you get to March and it's like, is my contract going to be renewed? And you're not going to be judged on? You're not going to be judged on the work you do. No. It's, oh, yeah, no, CS thinks it's smart. No, he thinks it's clever. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So let's show him. Let's show him. Let's show him who's the boss. And you know what? The listeners are showing who's the boss because I've always said my boss is my listener. My boss is the person that switches on that radio, not the person that sits in an air-conditioned office because those guys are out for personal duels. And that is how radio has taken that speed wobble and is kind of, yeah, drifting away. And I do hope it gets panel beaten because there's still no more powerful medium than radio. You get in your car. I can't expect people to be going online. That thing is expensive. Absolutely, It is expensive. And I know the networks here, they charge ridiculous amounts. You go overseas. You, you've traveled a lot. You get to the airport. You buy your little card for the month or whatever. It is a fraction of what you would pay here. Absolutely. A fraction. And there you've got, you can be on your phone 24-7 every day, the whole month. The speed is sharp. You will, you're not going to run out of airtime. It's there. Exactly. But what happens here? We drag the people. We make them suffer. <laughs> <laughs> we know. do. I think we've suffered enough with what's going no, on in South Africa. But crazy. there are still a few good people doing radio out there. And I think, you know, not, it's all, not all doom and gloom, Rob. I think there, there oh, are still, yes. still a few really good people, but it hasn't been the same. But the question I want to ask you is this journey with 947. Yes. What, what's the... What's the long-term objective? You said the listener's your boss. Yeah. Are there boxes you want to tick? I mean, you've already had a, a huge guest. Mm. Um, what are those boxes you want to tick here? Because I almost feel like this is Robert 2.3.4.0. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think the platform's amazing. Uh, the Prime Media's done a fantastic job. And I think it tells me that there's still an appetite for sports content in South Africa. No, there is. It just depends what. I mean, you see a guy like Graham Joffe. Where is Graham Joffe now? He's in America. He had to leave the country because he was exposing people. He was exposing federations. He was exposing corruption within sport. Um, so when your life gets threatened, then you get on your bike and you leave the country because life is greater. Uh, the corrupt people continue being corrupt because there's no end consequence in South Africa. We watch corrupt people on TV. They were called the Zondo Commission. They were there telling us how corrupt they are, and they still walk still around. Operating. And they come yeah. on TV and they still talk, and life is beautiful. So that is why the different layers of corruption continues. So if you can go and bomb an ATM, you'll go because you've seen the others do worse. If you want to go and do cash and transit heist, you will because there's no end no, consequence. Exactly. So life is wonderful. So let's just do as we please. But back to what you were saying regarding sports content. We get results. Results happen every day. So there's a news bulletin. Okay. In the essay 20A. Fuff has come through and had a knock of his life. Yeah. And given his age, given the, uh, you know, all the people that have been criticizing him and so on and so on, it's like, wow, look at him at his best. Yeah. And then the next thing, okay, there's Bavuma. He does the same. So those results are there every day. So what then becomes the role of a sports show based on what we've been doing? I think uh, we've also played a major role in terms of the turnaround of transformation. 
Uh, we've had a minister of sport not like us and, uh, you know, call us names because we had the show called The Room Dividers where we were battling about transformation in sport. But guess what? The most transformed rugby team goes to Japan, wins a Rugby World Cup with the black captain and everybody else, and they jump around, make speeches. But we who battle this, we'll be forgotten. We're not saying we, that's what we're doing it for. We were just happy to see it happen. Was it proved again with equal opportunity? You, you can achieve. And look, Kanyoam would never probably have gotten an opportunity to show what his worth is. Makazole uh, Mapimbi would probably not have been able to do the same. So we celebrate those pockets of achievements based on that. The SJN hearings that were conducted by advocate Dumisa Nzebeza uh, about the cricket, a lot of those former cricketers, the black cricketers came onto the show. They spoke about the injustices. It was via those shows that we had the SJN hearings. You know, so if you're able to influence sport in that way, then for me, you're utilizing the platform correctly. Yeah, there'll be those who think otherwise, but it's fine, but they'll be listening tomorrow. Mm. You know, uh, results aren't going to change. So for me, my drive is not to give results, but I can have a show where we play the clips. So if Jurgen Klopp, oh my God, shame. Uh, <laughs> My, are we, we going to talk about Liverpool coach, at some My point? coach, my coach. <laughs> but yeah, we, they play Champions League or they play, they get beaten by Wolves and so on. That's okay. We'll play those because they're not easily available in the country. So we'll play an extended two-minute clip and find out how the press conference went and how Pep is under pressure now. Uh, I mean, he's losing to any team that's available now, but he's still second place. That's how much quality <laughs> he is. You know, but it's also, it's a talk show. I mean, for crying out loud, a talk show, you have to get to a stage where when you're listening, you must also just feel your blood boiling. Like, where's yeah. the phone? I want a phone. Exactly. What nonsense are these guys talking about? And then you want to pick up the phone and be a part of it because that is sport. Sport is emotional. Yes. Um, so you don't want to just be like sweetie, lovey, ice cream and cakes type of <laughs> donuts. You know, like, let's get under the skin yeah. of, of people because there's a lot of wrong that is being done. There's no reason why we should still go to the Olympic Games yes, and, and be happy with four medals. And I'm just saying four medals. I'm not saying gold. I'm just saying four medals. Yeah. In, a, in a nation of 60 million yeah. odd people. That is where now your joffies were important because they were looking at the lotteries and all the lottery money and where it was going and it wasn't going where it was supposed to go. So that's why those federations were doing so badly. You know, Roland Schumann and everybody else was going to America uh, to go and train and become the better swimmers that they then became. But we are very quick to then go and claim them as our own because, hey, we do that. Uh, Chobodwana is not here, he's in America, but when he's running, hey, South Africa. But where did you see him run? Was he here? Who helped him? No, we didn't help him. Exactly. He helped himself, but he's South African still. So we, yeah, we, we just need to change a whole lot of things because... What we miss about sport is what Steve Trete brought into sport. So Steve Trete actually knew sport. He wasn't the minister because, hey, comrade, viva. No, he knew sport. He loved sport. <laughs> and, you know. Absolutely. Some of these other ministers, they're there for the party. Yeah. You know, as long as they meet Mayweather and go to this and that, they're happy. <laughs> but how do you grow sport here? Yeah. Is what we miss the beat about. Kheri um, Kutsir recently passed away. And was it celebrated enough? I don't think so. I don't think so. 
Kalik Nutza, you know. Um, These are world champions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one in the world, not world, yeah, South yeah, African not champion. South African. Yeah, not South African. So <laughs> that's why even a Nonjinga who goes to Mexico and as a youngster comes back with the world title belt, I don't think he is celebrated either. I don't think people even know about this kid. They don't. Colin Nathan did a phenomenal job. Yeah, He's yeah. gone to one of the toughest places. Hecky Butler did the same thing. But I agree with you. I think it's uh, a case of let's celebrate them when it suits us. And, and it will never suit them because they don't know who they are. Because I, I, I dare you, if you bump into the minister at the airport and ask him if he knows Nunjing. He'll look at you like you're speaking gibberish, <laughs> you know. And that is a sad part. Under Mandela's reign, he would have landed at Oar Tambo. He would have been whisked to the union buildings. They would have made a noise about it, yeah. you know. Not just because Badiba was a former boxer. He did that with every athlete mm. that left the country, went to sing the national anthem. That's what we forget is that when you then you're singing Kosisigalel, you're representing your country. Absolutely. So when you do well representing your country, you come back and you must get the accolades that come with representing your country. And we don't get that now. I repeat again, sport is one of the greatest alleviators of poverty. Neymar, Ronaldinho, all of those South American superstars, were they living a life of luxury? No, they weren't. No, they weren't. Did football change their lives? Yes, it did. And so many more. So why are we not using that channel to make sure that kids become that? You know, we can't all be tenderpreneurs and, and, and fixing roads that you don't fix. And Hand sanitizer building, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> building stadiums with the, a grandstand that is something that you just go and drag and hide. Yeah, that was shocking. You know, but money goes out to those yeah. things. People are not held accountable. So hence I'm saying that, you know, see, sport is like such an incredible thing. And you, and you see athletes and you see a Sia Colisi and you're saying, well done, son. Well done on dusting off whatever criticism was coming your way to now become the icon that you are. Absolutely. Because we've seen it with our own eyes, <clears throat> you know, the change that he's, he's become. Just for himself, but as a role model for so many South Africans, not just black South Africans, but South Africans at large. So do you feel, we've got a f few more minutes, <clears throat> I know you've sure. got to get going, but do you feel a responsibility in a way to play that part, to be that guy that informs the nation, you know, in a way to shed light, to tell stories, mm. to make people aware that we have an abundance of ridiculous talent in this country. They just need to be given an opportunity. I think that is part of it. Um, because I, I know what being denied an opportunity to play is. I think I've mentioned in the book how frustrated I was, you know, going from um, ordinary Roman Catholic school in Little Flower in Ishawi going to Hilton College and I'm like okay when are we playing soccer no there's no soccer what there's no soccer what kind of school is this you know an expensive and, one yeah <laughs> an expensive one that can't play the cheaper sport <laughs> yeah so he was buy cricket bats and pads and whatever uh, I, I did not know cricket mm. when I got to that school I did not know rugby I did not know hockey at all I knew one thing, I knew athletics, you run, and I knew soccer. You play with the ball, you kick, you run around, life is good. 
but the fact it, it doesn't take away the fact that it was wrong. It's wrong for any school to deny any child any sporting activity of their choice. So for them to deny a, a kid to play football is wrong. But you know, the very same people are, are, are the same ones that go and buy their children Ronaldo Messi jerseys. They go and buy them jerseys, but their kids go to schools that don't play football. So what are you what are you actually saying? What are you saying about the sport in South Africa is what we should be asking. And why are there still schools that don't allow soccer to be played? You know, and th th that was part of my frustration. And I just think that what was there with school sport, you see it with Craven Week. Craven Week is what it is. Yeah, I hate the fact that it's called Craven Week. They're craving anything because of the man and what he stood for. But the ideal of Craven Week and what it produces and what it showcases is exactly what we should be seeing in football. So we're the laughing stock of the world. When yeah. people mention Bafana Bafana, they say, ah, hey, please, next topic. You say that because I happen to do work for another broadcaster on the African continent. Yeah. And whenever I pitch a Bafana Bafana story, they're like, uh, where are they ranked? What yeah. they, when, when did they win something? Yeah. So the quarterfinals at AFCON? When Come did on. they qualify? So you, you spot on. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. No, there, no, but no. But it's exactly no. right. We are, Bafana Bafana are now the laughing stock. Yeah, it, it is. And it's so sad. It, it's sad because that's a sport that represents the aspirations of the majority of people here. Yeah. So if they don't see role models... You know, if they don't see what we saw in a Dr. Kumalo, Mark Williams, Fish, and, you know, Sean Bartlett and everybody else, where, where are they going to see them? You know, so the only hope is if they see a Percy Dow, who for himself has done well because he was propelled into that world of European football at a late stage. Yeah. And they wanted Brighton and Hove Albion a certain level of being a complete player. So if they don't find that, they're not going to field you. You know, and there's nothing more sinister than that. So, a Benny McCarthy will do well at Ajax and at Amsterdam, and as much as he'll do well anywhere that he'll play in the EPL. Hence, the turnaround with Ten Hag at Man United is because he is a finisher. Yeah. So, Rashford's turnaround in terms of play is not just because now uh, Rashford decided to go back to Buckingham Palace and say, I don't want to become an MBE, take it back. Yeah. No, no, it's because... I'm going to eat my wheat picks in yeah. the morning. <laughs> no, no <laughs> that's definitely not that. No, it's not that. It's, you know, <laughs> give Benny the credit that he deserves. Absolutely. And we need to do better as a country to improve our football. Um, yes, cricket has not won a Cricket World Cup since readmission. And they know why. You know, I've said it very publicly, the reasons why. And unless they do that, they will not win the Cricket World Cup. Chokers will become the chokers tag for the longest time. Um, rugby has done exceptionally well. It took time. Yeah. You know, the resistance, even from, um, you know, back in those days, um, I mean, I remember quite clearly how they were just happy to have the late Chester Williams in there. Like, hey, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. No, not more. He's not out more. on the wing. Yeah, yeah. It's fine yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. there. No, not anything more. Not <laughs> anything more. And, you know, the, the fact that we are where we are right now and 
there is no association with transformation with dropping the standards. Yeah. You know, because there was always a likelihood for people to try and do that. I really think rugby has gone miles in terms of turning things around. Yeah. It's not played all over the world or on every blade of grass like football is. Uh, but, you know, the fact that we've we've done it here, we've done it in France, Japan, SA. We'll probably do it in France again. Why not? I've got a feeling. Yeah, for, uh, I think we must, might as well make France one of our provinces. Gotta get an even number. <laughs> 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 Robert, uh, we're going to have to leave it there, my friend. It's been an absolute honor and privilege. Uh, but it wouldn't be justice unless you gave us your sign-off. But you started with it. Sure, I, you I know, so but, well, I, I, but... Hey, jeez, you know, at the end of the day, there's only one Robert Marawa. There's only one oh, sign-off. I love this, though. You can take it home if you want. I'll can give I? You, I'll give you a clean one. No, I want the dirty one. You can Leave the Tyler, clean one. can he take the dirty one? Yeah, I'll take the dirty one. He's not a fussy man, is Robert Marawa. No, no, no. He's no. a world-class broadcaster. Yeah. Yeah. But you're going to have to give us a sign-off. Otherwise, I can't let you go. Tyler's going to bolt the door. <laughs> no, I saw Tyler. She's, she's not going <laughs> to... Yeah, friendly, but there's that. Ah, I'm in charge here. No, but thank you so much, firstly. Uh, I really, really appreciate the honor of being here. That's all and mine, honestly. Yeah, and congratulations, man. I love growth. I love to see this. And long may it grow, because there are going to be so many more great guests coming through. As a gentleman that I've known for many, many years, remained consistent, loves his coffee, loves his Newcastle. Uh, you see him on Twitter now just telling us about results about Newcastle all of a sudden. Uh, but the greatness that he is, the calmness that he is as a broadcaster is also an inspiration to a lot of us. So right here on the CS Duplessis show, on this very privileged day with the privileged mug, Sese Vala, Sitinje Klim. Shalala.